So we're getting ready to head down to City Hall for a protest. Our third one this week. Yeah. Yeah. What else do we, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, there's no voting going on right now, so we can't do that. And the donating money, not at all opposed to doing that. Getting online, also important. Spreading the message. Getting into the street and saying it's unpatriotic to remove people's rights. Uh, The local march, we called it No Independence Day. And so that's where we're headed. I'm wearing my green shirt. I've got some green stuff in my hair, and we're getting ready to go downtown. Welcome to That Sober Couple Podcast. I'm Lisa Twombly. And I'm John Picard. We met in sobriety and moved in together a month before COVID hit. And now we both work from home. We've reached the compromise of doing this podcast in place of Lisa's daily TED Talks on the couch. I'm a bit of a maverick. And I'm a traditional 12-stepper. And And together, together, we we are are That Sober Couple. This week has really been a lot of struggle, a lot of upset, a lot of anger. And for me, for sure, there's been some real re-examining and um, digging up of some old wounds, of some old experiences and difficulties and family history and personal choices and also the realization of where we as a country are today it's gross that's one word for it yeah uh i i you know, I'm still trying to wrap my head around where this, I mean, we're already in the shit. We already know where we're at. And we need to stop. Somehow, we need to halt this insanity that has been, um, that has been hoisted upon us by, uh, a select few white people. Extremists. Yeah. It's extremists. That's what it is. Yeah. It's looking back. Um, it, it's shocking to see how quickly and how severely things have shifted so far right in such a hurry. It's not that the chatter hasn't been there for a long time. It's that the actual decisions, the actual laws, the actual um, daily functioning of life being shifted so hard, so quickly. I think when I think about the removal of basic human rights in terms of a person's internal bodily autonomy, I'm not going to get into a conversation that compares this to wearing a fucking mask. This is about a human being's right to their own body. As a person who's had multiple pregnancies, given birth multiple times, had multiple miscarriages, and I've had an abortion, 
more than one actually. I don't know if I'll share that on this episode. What I can say about all of that is people who've not had that experience really cannot know what it's like, but it shouldn't have to be that somebody like me or some other woman or person who has been through that experience has to continually get up in front of microphones or on the internet and tell our stories to try to get people to believe that we're actually human beings that should actually have the rights to our own bodies. And that's where we are. It's insanity that you don't. I do. I have autonomy when I'm dead. I don't want this is going to be hard for me because I totally agree with you and I believe all of what you're saying and I understand the importance of it and I know you need to say this I want you to say this and I coming back to the fact that this podcast is called that sober couple I have to be really honest about the parts where you know some of these feelings some of this hopelessness that comes out of this definitely touches on that place where it's that sort of conditional like what's in my back pocket of what you know how bad can it get before i'm allowed to drink again which i don't actually feel like is something that's that has come anywhere really near me every once in a while i've had these weird you know i'll have a drunk dream once a year or so or i'll have something else that kind of just like oh that really shook me like i i'll walk by something and think oh yeah you know a glass of wine or something and it will i'll be like what where did that come from but it's sort of rando and it just passes through and i think the truth about going through really dark heavy times in life whether it's a universal thing like we've got this stack of shit that has come rapid fire one thing after the other in the last several years or whether it's personally, which oftentimes those sorts of things happen to us. I know we both experienced that sort of, um, you know, one thing after another that led to our sobriety, for example. Um, But recognizing the truth of how hard it is to run down your resources, get below empty, and then have to keep going. And some of my emotional resources at this point are feeling like that. I'm feeling pretty worn out. And I know that I'm not alone. And I know that in talking about it out loud to you, to my friends, um, and particularly to other women who choose to live a sober lifestyle, it helps me a lot to say the truth about how I'm feeling to people who aren't, you know, I'm not paying them to fix me and they don't have the attitude that that's their job and we don't have a codependent relationship. Some of us a little bit, (laughs) maybe sometimes, lovey. Maybe. Um, But all of that is a really long conversation about that it's hard and heavy to have these conversations and that for some of us, this stuff can really put us back squarely 
in this space that um, was always grounds for drinking, was always cause for a drink, like the kind of shit that happens. And then you say, I need a fucking drink. Yeah. yeah what is that? What is that point of, I don't, I don't, fuck it. I don't care. Fuck where, it. where, where, where is that? Where's that line drawn? Um, what I'm grateful for being in that sober couple is that I don't have to talk to myself about where that line is drawn. I have somebody that I love that supports me, um, that, um, you know, that is with me always to be able to say, you know, where that line is. Um, cause I know you would definitely notice if I fell inward and was not being um, open and honest and, and, and was seeking my own line because of all the little bombs that are, are, or in the future going off. And they might, for, for somebody like me, um, it's most likely going to be against me personally, not a whole fucking species. Um, you know, uh, so it's, and that's going to be easier for me to hide, you know, what I'm grateful for is that you are here, um, just like right now I'm here for you um, and and will do whatever you want me to do. Period, end of story. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, my, my, my opinion on this matter has not changed since I've been voting age and was not different before I turned voting age. Um, I've always had the what I would say is the right opinion. Now it is my opinion because it's not based on my own body autonomy. Um, yeah, it's tough that way because as we know, the people in the vast majority of the decision-making um, places, you know, the authorities and officials and um judges making these decisions for us are are not people with uteruses and there's really it's hard that's a hard part of all of this conversation um also i guess i what i really want to say is that going back to the part about what would you drink over or what will give you the fuckets or how you're going to handle something like that. I recognize that it's helpful to me in the, in the hardest of moments, whether I was newly sober or even now part of what is really useful, helpful, and otherwise successful about recovery groups and particularly the AA is that people will talk about, um, just have a lot of really short one-liner reminders, um, whether they are in the book or just come from things people have shared um, in meetings or in the community. And I know some people in recovery who have a tendency to say, I don't want to blow up my life today. And that one really can help me a lot because 
as much as I might feel upset or be taken back into some really dark stuff, I don't have to um, get too far down that road before that thought because I've heard it so much, because I've remembered it so frequently, because I've shared it with others, that it pops up and says, this is not a day to blow my life up. And realistically, I don't really want to blow my life up. The other part of that is usually said in close proximity to that, which is, you know, there's nothing in my life that a drink will make better. And, um, you know, that for sure is true for me. That one really lands well in my, uh, the back of my head. That feels like a very grounding reminder that even, even if I got some sort of momentary relief, it would be momentary and then it would be a shit show. That's the saying that, that generally is is the one that hits home for me the most which is you know a drink or a drug will not make this better full stop it just won't uh you know it never did in the 28 years that i drank and 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 you know used other substances it 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 never did now am i gonna lie and say i didn't have a great time uh, uh, doing a lot of those things. Absolutely. Yes, I did. Uh, but the last six years have shown me that sobriety is way better than the 28 years of drinking and drugging. Uh, and, uh, and it is, um, because I am in my right mind. Um, it is because I do remember the things I do today And it is because a drink or a drug does not make my life better. And absolutely being in a couple, a sober couple, uh, you know, being in a relationship, I cannot, if I'm drinking, uh, I cannot be an honest person. There, the honesty is, you know, four or five, six rungs down in my, you know, Maslow's hierarchy or whatever, however you want to call it. Honesty is way down in the, you know, the bottom of the totem pole uh, when I'm, you know, in active addiction. Because, because my goal is to get that drink, to get that drug. Uh, it is not to be honest with anybody that is in the vicinity of my, you know, my person. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I can't be in an honest, loving, caring relationship if I am currently using substances. Do you feel like when I think about that, I feel like what's at the root of that for me is the idea that if I'm being honest with myself, it goes back to that conversation. If I'm being honest with myself, there's nothing in my life that's made better by drinking. Yeah. That's that's the first sort of gateway of dishonesty is with myself. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. And when you said that, when you were talking, one of the thoughts that came to mind, of course, I started having this popcorn of thoughts of the one-liners. And one of them was um, that my, let's see, how does it go? My, my best day drinking was, wait, my best, how does it go? Remind me. I'll remind you because I used to hate this saying uh, and, and what it, what it says or what the saying is, is that my worst day sober is better than my best best day of drinking. Yes. That's what I was thinking about when you were talking. And the funny thing about that, and let me say more about what I feel like when I hear that. Because I think part of the reason when you're new that you might not like that is because you still think it was really fun to drink and you don't yet get to the place where you recognize that the deep peace and satisfaction that comes from taking good care of yourself every day, one day at a time for a long period of time, that that is cumulative, that even though you don't graduate, you do come to a place where that stuff builds on itself and you do get to a place I have, I know you have, where it feels so good to have sobriety and to feel clear and that you haven't betrayed yourself that way in such a long period of time that you it's the you know the roots of your sobriety have really set in and are really branching and communicating and all that you know i love the nature analogies they work for me and i think when we talk about these sayings and having them in our minds it's brilliant because many of them are very brief and really do easily pop into your mind when you start sort of heading down a a default neural pathway that was built 25 or 30 years ago of you know i'm stressed fuck get me out of this and and the pathway that goes from there to a drink for many of us got formed you know, a long time ago and was such a well-worn path that it was not even really truly conscious. It became a default behavior rather than a really clear decision a lot of the time. That's. Well, it was the, the, it was the way I knew how to get relief from any, you know, uh, any situation that I was in either happy or sad because I needed relief from happiness too. Really? Absolutely. Say more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, that, that happiness eventually goes away. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to not remember the happiness because then, you know, we don't really have the happiness. Yeah. Kind of a, you know. Yeah. I was not a fan of that saying in early sobriety too. the, you know, worst days sober are better than my best days drinking. Cause I had some fun days drinking and I've had some pretty shitty days in sobriety. Uh, and I understand what that means now is that those lows that I get in sobriety, they're pretty low. Um, but the highs I get in sobriety, um, are 
um, pretty special. They're not crazy highs. They are beautiful and wonderful highs. And those best days sober, yes, or best days drinking, we're, we're, you know, had some pretty good days drinking. But those lows of drinking were, um, I never want to go back there. Never, ever, 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 ever. My, my uh, quote unquote, uh, what's the, 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 the word a friend of mine uses, is uh, my, my, uh, my door is shut to any thought of picking up another drink. It's shut, it's welded, it's got 18 million locks all over it. I don't know what's gonna have to happen in my life to get that door back open um, because it is that thoroughly shut in my life. Um, just, it's, it's, I have completely surrendered, which is really important in my life to understand that surrender is not a weakness. That's a great, that's, I love that topic, that surrender, what does that mean? Maybe it's a topic for another day. Yeah. I don't know. I think I really appreciate getting the chance to sit here and talk this through and get to the bottom of some things. I'll say I notice that I feel calmer now that we've had this conversation. We're about to go yell and be loud and potentially, you know, have people be upset with us for, um, for speaking our minds about feeling that it's unpatriotic to remove people's basic human rights. And so we're going out, we're going to stand our ground and say what we believe in and take, take to the streets. And things like we're about to go do right now are ways that will keep me even further away from a drink because they are the right thing to do. They are the ne necessary thing to do in my life today. And yeah, instead of going down to the protest, uh, we could, you know, stop at the, the tavern on the way and oh, have Jesus. a drink. <laughs> there are several, actually. We ain't going to get to the protest. Right. Yeah, we're not going to get there if I'm yeah. still drinking. Yeah, I might, but it'd be like, <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. This is, this is serious. Um, it is imperative that you know we do what we're about to do yeah we gotta we gotta show up mm -hmm. we have to show up we have to show up for ourselves and we have to show up for other people mm -hmm. and that's really a, a a key in sobriety as well is it's one more piece of that agreement that that's that's two-sided that says I really need to take excellent care of myself and in so doing I need to be present to see where and how I can care for others and this is a community effort this is about standing up and speaking out and showing up and that's what we're doing thanks for joining us today staying sober through hard times requires us to keep it simple and to remember the sayings and the mantras that keep us connected to the truth that our lives are better sober. Join us next week when we talk about falling and being in love. I'm Lisa Twombly. And I'm John Picard. And, and together, together, we're, we're that, that sober couple. couple. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. 
Original music, Good Company, was written and performed by Hallie Elwell and Dave Brophy. You can find Hallie and Dave's individual music projects on all streaming platforms. And you can find us on Instagram at That Sober Couple Podcast.